Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Gangplank Report. We are covering Below Deck Med episode six, which they titled The Morning After and which we're calling Sorry Not Sorry mommy and Jen <laughs> is here and she's gonna do your rapid recap yep well we start off the shoving match between Lexi and Z continues David steps in to try and break that up and then they end up having a huge back and forth to where he's basically blocking the door to his cabin to keep her away everyone does eventually go to bed the next morning Martin tells the captain that Matt left and while she should be shocked she actually has kind of a smirk on her face which is a little interesting so I think maybe she already knew about it Lexi gets her narrative out first to the captain and then conveniently interrupts when Katie's trying to give the captain her version so that kind of sets the tone for the whole episode they have a crew meeting to clear the air that doesn't happen matt shows back up the captain lets him know she's replaced him but that he can work this next charter because luke is still in quarantine the guests arrive and apparently the key to success is being very demanding and we (laughs) end on a dinner disaster but is it really and that's your rapid recap awesome When we start off this episode, we do see a little bit of the tail ends of the night before and Katie talking to Courtney the next morning and letting her know kind of what went down. And Courtney seems kind of surprised, like maybe she doesn't remember all of it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then she says that she tried to stay out of it, just tried to remain neutral because she didn't really understand everything that was happening. And fair enough to her, there was quite a lot going on. Right. And then we get to this crew meeting. I agree with you. It it seems like Sandy might have been clued into the fact that Matt wasn't there before Martin announced it to her. Mm -hmm. But that could have been editing as well. Maybe he mentioned it to her before the cameras were around. Right, and they had to redo it. and Yeah, some, something along those She's lines. not going to get an Emmy for acting, if that's what happened. Well, we know nobody, <laughs> nobody that's on the show is an actor, a professional one anyway. True. But jumping into this crew meeting, I found it really very interesting the way that all of that went down. So Katie goes to Sandy and says, this is what happened. It was really uncomfortable, but before that even, Lexi heads it off at the pass and runs into Sandy first thing and says, 
hey, so this happened last night and, you know, there was a little bit of arguing and really downplays the situation, which I think, at least in my mind, kind of started to set the tone for the way that Sandy handled it later. I agree. In this meeting, though, it seems like Sandy recognizes that there is a big issue that needs to be addressed so that everybody can move forward. So she knows enough information to know that it needs to be handled before the next charter starts. I don't know. How do you feel about the way that all of that went down? Well, I feel like Lexi definitely downplayed her role and played up everybody else's role, made it seem like it was an even Steven kind of scenario. Like I said things, they said things, and it didn't really go down like that. She was aggressive, both verbally and physically. And the only time that they popped back was after several jabs from her. So that, with the captain having that impression, I was hoping to see when Katie went to see her that she would get both sides and we'd get some balance and, okay, the light bulbs would go on because she can't be everywhere. We saw they showed she was sleeping. And like you said last week, it could have been on a different part of the ship to where she couldn't have heard it. But I was hoping to get at least balance or some form of authenticity or true representation of what happened happened the night before but then Lexi pops in again and the captain just stops it right there and says we need to do this as a crew meeting now you would know better on this I don't know that I would get everybody involved right away before I knew what was going on I'm not a person who like a blanket apology when somebody's admitted that they don't know what they said that doesn't work for me because you're not it's not coming from a genuine place if you don't even know what you're apologizing for does that make sense It definitely makes sense. And obviously they were short on time. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at it from a perspective of Sandy's trying to scramble to figure out what she's going to do about a chef, she's got a limited amount of time to handle this situation that she knows might turn things for the worst during this charter. So what's your best option? Really, if even without all the information, does she have time to get all the information? Is she in the middle of making phone calls and trying to figure out logistics? And one more valid point. I, I hear you. Yeah. One more thing to add to the plate, right? But mm-hmm. if she knows that Katie's coming to her with this much of an issue and that it involves other crew members, not just Katie, then best thing to do is just get it out in the open as quickly as possible and try to move past it so that they can get ready for these guests to show up in a handful of hours because there's still quite a lot to be done right. to get ready. I guess what my problem is, is once they're in the meeting, and maybe it's because I have the benefit of hindsight of seeing everything that went down, it just seems so obvious to me that resolution wasn't happening. And I realized that the captain was sidetracked and she wanted to focus on getting a chef and all of that. But it did seem pretty obvious to me that there wasn't sincerity behind the apologies because she was denying some right in front of the captain that needed to be offered. I think if anybody at any point had said, look, captain, she physically assaulted someone and she basically 
sexually harass somebody and put her boobs in somebody's face uninvited. I feel like if any of those things had been said, it might have changed the tone of things a little bit. But I don't know why. I mean, we don't see them say that. Maybe they did. But it seems unlikely, given the outcome of that meeting, that that happened. And it seems like such an abrupt type situation where Lexi does a half-hearted apology and then somebody says one thing that hits the wrong nerve and she gets up and leaves. And that's the end of the conversation. And everybody's like, okay, I guess we're just going to do our best to move on for right now so that we can get through this charter. And I feel like it's a really stark difference between Lexi, quote unquote, apologizing and Matt's actual groveling apologies. Because he doesn't, he might not even remember all the things that he said that were inappropriate the night before or the way that he acted, but he made the effort to apologize to every single person he came across. And we saw that. And I think if it was just the Lexi situation that we were dealing with, we might not have had that twofold apology approach. Mm -hmm. But because we have those going on in the same episode, it's such a masterful difference in the way that you handle things. Right. And it was really frustrating. I actually felt for Matt. I did too. And I did think it was kind of funny though, that everybody is looking at him like, what are you apologizing for? Because basically they didn't see any of what he did. All they knew was that he got mad and left the table. And I guess they thought he was apologizing for the sex talk at dinner but they didn't see him smacking GoPro. So this is another thing. It's almost the same situation that the captain's in because she doesn't know what Lexi really did. And none of the crew really knows what Matt did. They don't know that he cussed Jake out as Jake's walking him off the boat and signing him off, or Martin signed him off the boat, I guess. But as Jake's walking him off the boat, he's cussing at him and telling him to get out of his face while wearing his Just Be Nice shirt, which was ironic in and of itself. So they're in the same position, if you think about it, as the captain is. They don't know everything he did. The captain doesn't know everything Lexi did. But they gave their forgiveness to him very easily, I think, because they didn't know. And maybe that reflects on why the captain gave her forgiveness very easily, because she didn't know all the details. Well, and if we're talking about the superior responsibility of this entire situation, I have a couple thoughts about that, too. If you're looking at the hierarchy of the boat Mm -hmm. and... And if the superiors are responsible for the behavior of their underlings, we see Katie go to almost every crew member or to every crew member that was affected by Lexi's behavior and apologize to them. I'm not sure I would have taken that tack after knowing somebody for seven days. How responsible can you be for a belligerent drunk person's behavior? In that situation, regardless of whether they work underneath you or not. But if those rules apply, we didn't see Sandy in turn go to everybody who was affected by Matt's behavior and apologize for him because she's technically his supervisor. It's it's really interesting that that was the way that all that went down. Again, I'm not criticizing Katie because I like her as a chief stew and I think she's doing her best with what she has, Mm -hmm. especially as it pertains to Lexi. But I don't know that I would have apologized for the behavior of somebody that was uncontrollable to begin with because it wasn't her fault. We saw her try to console. We saw her try to calm down. We saw her scream and get mad and try to calm down. There was a lot of things going on there, but I don't know that it was necessarily her responsibility to apologize for Lexi. And even when Lexi wouldn't apologize really for herself, because the two apologies that she did offer during that meeting, I thought were pretty insincere. And Mm -hmm. she spent most of the time defending herself and saying, I didn't say that. I don't know what you're 
talking about. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You don't remember. And one of the observations that I had about that meeting was Sandy's approach, which was very much, I thought, and I tried to do a little bit of research about this, somewhat of an AA approach, right? When you've hurt somebody or a group of somebodies, oftentimes the adage is for you to listen. Mm-hmm and then apologize. Right. For make amends. To, mm-hmm. to make amends. Exactly. And I feel like she's talked about her addiction issues in the past. And I think we see that coming into play in this meeting where she does turn to Lexi and say, you really just need to listen so that people can express themselves and get it out. And then you apologize. And even at that, even with the direction of the captain, Lexi couldn't do that. So I just thought it was a really interesting approach that we've not ever seen a captain take before, but also we've never really seen a situation quite like this before. Right. I do have to give the captain credit in that situation. I thought her advice in both situations, when they were by the coffee machine, when Lexi was putting out her narrative at first, I thought her advice there was good. I thought her advice in the meeting was good. She was good at saying what to do, but it was almost like there was a disconnect when she watched how it was going down in how it processed in her brain. Like she assumed that because she told her what to do and Lexi was kind of semi doing that, that, okay, it worked when it really didn't work. So I don't know how that plays into the process, what you were talking about with the different steps, but I think that there was some sort of disconnect there where she didn't see that the advice she was giving wasn't really being followed. Right. And if you've got 10 other things going on, including trying to figure out what you're going to do with a chef that can happen. Valid. Absolutely valid. There's a lot going on. So I think she was just trying to band-aid the situation until they got through yeah, you know, all I think, the other I think they could have revisited it at some point, though, because... But not while the guests are there. No, not while the guests are there. But this whole thing happens the first day, and there's more conflict. That's not charter day. It's still the off day when Matt comes back. And there's a resurgence of this fight with Lexi and Malia, and then Malia takes it to Katie, and Katie tries to take it to the captain again. And that's when we get this ironic speech of, you're a leader, you need to guide her to do what it is that you want, and you need to invest in her and all of this stuff. It was so ironic to me, and you warned me ahead of time, because everybody listening, Adrian got to see it before I did, and she was waiting with bated breath until I finally got to watch it, and you even warned me that I was going to be annoyed, and I was super annoyed when it came to that, because the irony of investing in people when she was ready to toss Hannah off the boat last season was a little much for me, but I got through it. It wasn't bad enough to boycott, but it was well. And, and then we see Lexi taking it further when Katie comes to her and says, you've put me in a really bad spot here. Mm-hmm. This is really uncomfortable and I don't know what we're going to do about it. And Lexi just shuts down mm-hmm. and picks up the phone and calls her mom and <laughs> says, I'm not a child here. I'm not, mommy? I don't need to be handled like a child. <laughs> and then proceeds to say, mommy, mommy, mom. yeah. like it was just, it was it, it, too much for me. It was, it was craziness. The fact that she picked up the phone and started dialing because at the beginning, before Katie even spoke to her, she said, are you on the phone? And Lexi said, no, I'm just messaging. And so Katie took the opportunity and it didn't take any time at all for Lexi to just stop it in its tracks and 
just start say crawling. everybody was wrong you were wrong Malia yeah. was wrong. everybody was wrong mm-hmm. I'm fine right. I didn't do anything wrong and then picks up her phone and calls her mom and says right. I'm out of here yeah the the mommy mommy definitely got me especially after saying I don't need to be spoken to like a child mommy <laughs> mommy <laughs> tell me I can come home and I can quit this job it was just we're talking about lot. her an awful lot for somebody who we threw off the gangplank, but it really did. The episode kind of revolved around her, so we can't help it. We can throw her off the gangplank again if you want to. <laughs> I don't know how many splash effects I can find. <laughs> She's going to be like repeatedly, it's just going to be like every five seconds splash in the background. <laughs> Seriously. Too funny. And that, so then we have this new charter that shows up mm-hmm. and they seem pretty interesting. Athena is very definitely in charge and she introduces Absolutely. her clients that are the three kings we really didn't get to see them much or get to learn much about them at all so maybe we will in the next episode Mm -hmm. but it starts to become very apparent that she's just going to do whatever she wants to do and you had an interesting observation about that well I have a question about this and you are my go-to person for questions when it comes to this it seemed like she was all over that boat And I get that they're renting out the boat, but in my head, it's always been like you're staying at a hotel. And when you're at the hotel, you can stay in your hotel room. You can use the hot tub, the jacuzzi, the steam room, the spa, all of the amenities of the hotel. But there are parts of a hotel that you're not allowed to go into. And it seemed like she had zero boundaries. So on a real life charter, like you were just on in the Bahamas, Is that normal? Are they allowed, are guests just allowed to wander wherever they want to go? Like free range chickens? Yes. (laughs) No. For very different reasons. Well, maybe some of the same reasons as a hotel, but for safety, a lot of the guests want to see the engine room just because it's interesting and it's not something they get to see every day. So oftentimes, all the time, actually, there's a crew member that goes with them in case they bump into some piece of machinery or so that they know, hey, don't touch that, it's hot, those kind of things. So for safety reasons, the galley, usually they have some kind of an escort for the engine room usually there's some kind of an escort for same thing with the pilot house where all the buttons and switches and red buttons are you want to make sure that a crew member is there in case something happens or somebody bumps into something accidentally not that they would ever necessarily sabotage anything but just for safety as far as the crew area that is our private space Okay. The guests have run of the rest of the common areas of the boat, but the crew area is kind of a little sacred space. That doesn't mean the guests don't want to see it. And usually it's the first day that they'll ask if they can see where we sleep just because it's interesting. It's different. And normally what will happen is whoever is doing the tour around, whether it's the chief stew or whoever that's doing the tour around with the guests will radio the crew and say just a heads up we're coming down to the crew area because what if they're all sitting there having a meal what if somebody's taking a shower or changing or whatever I mean it's the same thing as somebody walking into your apartment and I understand they're not as luxurious as most apartments but that is the private space of the crew and so oftentimes the courtesy is extended from like I said whoever's giving them the tour of the boat to say hey just a heads up we're coming down to the guest area or the crew area so that 
they can see it. And it normally lasts a handful of minutes and then they're gone and it goes right back to being the crew space, which is totally fine. But you're right. It seemed a little bit odd that they were just kind of given free reign to run around wherever they wanted to. It looked like she bumped into Z in a hallway and it might have been in the guest area, but the look on Z's face made me think that it was an area that she shouldn't be. And I could be wrong because obviously I well, don't no, have a way out. It wouldn't make sense that Z was in a hallway in one of the guest areas because he's an exterior worker. Right. So chances are it was the crew area. Okay. So yeah. And in which case she should have had an escort instead of just wandering in there by herself. Right. Uh, the other exception to that is the galley because we, we know oftentimes the guests will go to the galley to have conversations with the chef. Hopefully they get a heads up first that somebody's coming in there. But if the galley is on the main level as the salon or the main dining area, or then a lot of the times they'll just kind of wander in there and say, Hey, just wanted to see something smells good. Let me check it out. Or, Hey, what's the plan for later? Kind of thing so that happens a lot too right and she did go into the galley as well for some reason the galley didn't bother me as much because she had a special request there because she had told matt that she had wanted calamari and then she found out that a bunch of her guests didn't want that and so she told him call it calamari don't call it squid but as far as the dinner goes and as the chef I know that you've probably run into this situation before. Do you have guests that do what she did and not wait for everyone to be seated at the table and just have a set start time? which her start time was 8.30. And it depends. It, Every charter is different. Sometimes okay. I have guests that are slightly overserved, And so the more sober guests want to eat at a reasonable time instead of waiting. Sometimes there's people that take longer to get ready and the others get impatient. Sometimes people just take a nap and forget to set an alarm. So there's mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons why not everybody would be sitting at the table at the appropriate time. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind they're on vacation. So if right. they don't want to eat at 8.30, they can eat later if they want to. It's yeah, normally courtesy to give the chef a heads up so that your food can be as fresh as possible. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And see, that's where what I couldn't figure out was I couldn't figure where, and not necessarily that you have to place blame, but I couldn't figure out if there was blame to be placed who it was placed on because she did say she wanted dinner at 8.30. It was 8.40 and her guests weren't there. There were a couple who were sitting on the banquette that was adjacent to the table and a couple people were sitting down and then they phoned down to the room and the other two girls were putting on their lipstick or whatever they were doing. So I could see why Katie didn't think it was time but she did phone down and this was at 8 40 this is the timestamps that bravo is giving us so i'll put that in there at 8 40 katie radioed down because athena said she wanted to eat even though the waters weren't poured the bread wasn't out nothing like that so she told matt that at 8 40 and then she goes down at 8 43 as he's plating and then athena comes down at 8 47 so technically it's 17 minutes late from when she said dinner would be ready, but it's really only seven minutes from when she told Katie she wanted to eat. So the guest is always right. I know that. But who would you put the blame on in that scenario? Or is there no blame to be had? I don't think there's really any blame to be had. Okay. I mean, Katie's trying to do her job to the best of her ability within the formalities that she's used to and the service level that she's used to. And this woman wants it done differently. So, right. I mean, guest is always right. So I guess there's that. But at the same time, it all kind of happened in quick succession in my mind. Right. So 
just get it done as quickly as you can, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, we do have, before we end, that pretty much wraps it up. They leave the cliffhanger being that dinner's not out and Athena doesn't seem to be very happy about it. But we do have a question that came in from our friend on Twitter. Her name is Fantiva and she has actually a question for you, a question for me, and a question for both of us. So we'll go with you first. Her question for you is how often do newbies in the industry tank and quit when they realize there's a lot of work involved and it's not as glamorous as they might think? It's not all Instagram posts and selfies in beautiful locations. <laughs> uh, depends. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them stick it out for a whole season. Some of them last a handful of days. I know somebody that just got into yachting recently and has had two disastrous trips, one right after the other, and just decided this industry is not for me. Wow. You know, and I don't know all of the ins and outs of the situations that happened, but I do know that there was enough internal crew drama that this friend of mine was like, you know what? I just don't think this is the industry for me. I wanted to give it a shot. I did my certifications. I did everything I was supposed to do. Really looked forward to this. And it has just turned out to not be what I think it is. And that happens. And if you have a couple of bad experiences, I can understand why. Mm -hmm. I was really lucky at the beginning of my career that I had some really amazing captains and some really amazing crew, some of which I still talk to to this day that I'm grateful were patient with me at the beginning of my career, but that's not everybody. So sometimes it's a combination of things. Sometimes it's people that see below deck and think that yachting is a great idea and get into it with the best of intentions, thinking that this is going to be a really great paid vacation. And then harsh reality sets in and they realize that that's not what it is at all. It is a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Lexi might've influenced this question a little bit. I (laughs) I think that's what's sparked Santiva's question. So her question for me is very easy. Do you watch the program more than once to catch all that you do? Absolutely. I do. (laughs) Back when I was blogging, I watched it three times. Now that I'm just podcasting, I only watch it two, usually, sometimes three. It depends on how good it is, but usually at least two times because the first time I'm watching for just the general, like everybody else's for entertainment. And then the second time I watch is to go back and try and cherry pick things that I think either people didn't notice or that people would definitely notice and would want to dive deeper into. So that's the answer for that. The question for both of us is, do we think production is stepping in and creating situations more now? What's your that's, a tu- that's a tough answer. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Yes, I think they're choosing specific crew members that based on their psych evals prior to the season will, like Lexi, butt heads with their superiors. I know they did it with my season. They told me that they did it with my season. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very much a production manipulation, but I don't think that they go out of their way to cause drama necessarily in the situation. Once the, once the cameras are on and the show starts filming, I know some of the dirty tricks that they pulled on us my season, but I also know that the producers that were on my season are no longer there. And there's good reason for that because Bravo didn't like the results. So I wholeheartedly believe that the producers that are involved in the shows now are letting things happen the way that they happen organically. And they, like I have said before, and I'll say it again, they never tell us what to say or what to do. Mm -hmm. If you look like an asshole, it's because you're an asshole. (laughs) Well, I think I'll go halfway with you on that. 
my response to it is I agree with you about the psyche eval. I've done interviews with other cast members who have told me that the psychologist couldn't believe that they were considering them for the show because they were too normal. So I know that I'm not saying that happened in your season, but since then it's happened. (laughs) This was only a couple seasons ago, but I do feel like there is because after talking to the Orbison family, knowing now how much footage they had of them, there is, in my opinion, a narrative that they want to put across. There's a story arc that they want to build and they're going to use the footage they have that supports that main arc through the season is my opinion. So is I don't that- disagree with that, but I think no. there's a difference between production doing manipulation in the moment and production mm-hmm. doing creative editing after. Okay. And I'll grant you that. But how she said creating situations, I don't think they're setting a situation up. I don't think they're pushing Matthew down the stairs. So he has a bad knee or anything like that. I don't think they're necessarily telling people to do a certain thing, but I do think that they have a story in mind that they have to make fit. So if there's something like we learned in the Orbison interview, we learned that Matthew had an evening where he baked with Roy the third and Bo, and they had a real really cute bonding moment that both Roy Jr. and Osa thought was going to be on the show because there were so many cute moments in it. But they were framing Matt in a certain way to where we might have softened up to him and not been as hard on him had we seen a sweet moment like that with children. So do you see what I'm saying? I do. Okay. That's creative editing. That's not them altering the situation and like making the oven blow up when he's cooking a cake with the little kid. That's true. That's absolutely So creative editing versus in the moment production manipulation. Right. Okay. And there's your answer, Santiva, as confusing as it was and as confusing as (laughs) I made it. But you know me very well. So you know that that's (laughs) what I usually do. But anyway, so that's the end until next week. And the previews show us that those cakes are flops as far as Athena is concerned. And Matt gets called into the captain's office to find out his fate. Which way are you leaning? I'm leaning that he's sticking around and she's telling him. Well, we see him partying with the crew after that charter's over. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's staying with them unless that's his like sayonara party. We will just have to wait and find out. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, my gut is that he's back. I'm not sure how long Lexi's back for. If the chef's only got two days in quarantine, Luca, then I would think that the Dex stew would only have two days as well if they got them around the same time. And we don't see her partying with the crew. We do not. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, we shall see. But thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. If you haven't checked out our interview with the Orbisons from last week, check that out. And we've got a great one coming up this week. Great super fan interview that's going to be a two-parter as well. So check that out too. Thank you guys. And please make sure that you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Gangplank Report. And please like and review our podcast. And we would like to issue a minor retraction in the crew dinner where Matt left early the other night, there was a little bit of ambiguity. I was under the impression that he was Lord Fussy and Lexi was Swag Nasty. Since we aired that podcast, Matt has contacted me through social media to correct me and let me know that he is both Lord Fussy 
and swag nasty and has the electronic swag to prove it. So going forward, we'll still refer to him as Lord Fussy and we will refer to Lexi as Satan as that is the name that she has given herself. So thank you. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below, original music and lyrics by Angel Twitter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Cast off, me hearties.